Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me, because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or... Call or text 988, available 24-7. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's. 
this. One of my favorite stories of all time. Let me clarify, if you're wondering what's wrong with his voice, it's not your radio, all right? It is me. I understand that everybody on Earth thinks I'm superhuman, basically a demigod. However, I was out yesterday and limped into here today with a bit of a sickness. Something light. It's fine, Chris. It'll be fine. But my voice is a little, a little off. I still sound good, though. I can hear myself, and it's glorious. But let us begin in one of my favorite battles of all time. I'm talking about Gallipoli. Gallipoli is a name a lot of people know, may vaguely know something about, but before we get to the battle and what actually happened, let's do a setup first. Now, the beauty of having done this show for a couple years now is people know background lots of the time. So I'm not going to set up each and every detail, but let's do a brief overview for those in the back or those who've forgotten. This is a World War I battle. And the situation on the ground, this is the year 1915, the situation on the ground is this. We have Germany as the main player of the central powers. Germany and Austria-Hungary are fighting for the central powers. And Germany has, for years leading up to World War I, had a kinship with Turkey, with the Ottoman Empire. It's not quite Turkey yet. But I'm going to refer to it as Turkey this entire time to make it more modern. And when I say kinship... Germany was deeply involved with the Ottoman military. And when I say deeply involved, I mean sending arms, sending men to train the Turkish military. They are, they are propping up this military with weapons, with training. And to be clear, Turkey was, obviously, because this is the end of the Ottoman Empire, formerly one of the great empires of all time. They are not anymore at this point. At this point, they are known, well known now, as the sick man of Europe. It is the definition of a late, late stage empire, internal turmoil, crumbling, got involved in some wars in the Baltic previously to World War I where they'd lost huge chunks of their territory. They'd lost a third of their empire recently. Now, remember, when empires start losing ground, what they're losing is money, lots of it. Think of a, think of a budget. Think of a, well, this is a great way to put it. Think of a trillion-dollar budget this year. You know what? Make, let's make it even easier. Think of a billion-dollar budget. United States of America, our budget for next year is a billion dollars. Wouldn't that be a sight? But our budget is a billion dollars. And we're, so we're going to spend, we're going to spend a billion next year, but we know 
because of the various parts of our economy, we're going to take in $2 billion. That'd be sweet, right? So we're going to take in two. We're going to, we're, we're going to spend a billion. Nice. What if you get yourself involved in some wars and you're used to spending a billion every year? That's your budget every year. You get involved in some wars and soon you're only taking in about 600 million, 700 million. Well, just know that most countries in the history of the world don't get to just print a bunch of unbacked money. You have to try to find a way to make those numbers merge at one point in time. Now think, if that was our situation, take a look at the American budget. Take a look at a pie chart of the American budget. What's getting slashed? Think about the impact on lives. If Well, okay, well, shoot. Uh, Medicare is going to be cut in half, so we're either kicking half the people off it or we're only doing half payments. Oh, oh, you can't afford your medical treatment? Too bad. The money's not there anymore. Social Security? Oh, there's no cost of living increase. Social Security checks are not even in the mail anymore. Sorry, we're going to have to skip a year. We have to save money. Oh, military. Mm, Yeah, you wanted those new planes, trains, and automobiles, the new battleships, the new weapons. Not only is that gone, we're actually firing half of our military service. You see what I mean? These are what budget cuts mean for a nation. You start losing wars, losing territory. You spent all the money on the war anyway. Then you lose. Losing wars is how you lose empires. So Turkey's crumbling. Germany propping it up. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, those Germans must be really nice guys. Not exactly. Germany wanted something, obviously, out of this deal. And what Germany wanted out of their Turkish relationship was Muslims. Why would they want Muslims? Because there were lots of them. Because Germany... They still had major, major colonial goals at this point. Remember, they're a relatively newer country. Britain and France have colonies all over the world. Germany really doesn't. They want them. Now, if you can't have outright colonies, people you flat out take over and guide, you can have these father-son relationships. And if there are that many Muslim countries out there and you start to get in good with the Muslims, what if you were the father to all the Muslim countries? You think that would benefit you just a bit? Oh, it would have, big time. It's actually very smart. They had a goal in mind. Let's bring all the Muslims into the German fold and boost ourselves while also maybe hurting the British quite a bit? I'll explain why in just a minute. But that's the German-Turkish relationship pre-World War I. Now let's fast forward to the, the, the situation on the ground, 1915. World War I has kicked off. We know we have France and Britain and Russia as the main players against Germany and Austria-Hungary. And Turkey is obviously not on the side of France and Britain and Russia. Turkey hates 
Russia. They despise each other. They're constantly fighting all the time, had been previously fighting. So everybody knows where Turkey stands in this entire thing. But Turkey's not really overtly in the war just yet. However, when I say tensions with Russia, and this is going to come into play briefly in our story, understand this. Look at a map. Look at a map of Turkey and Russia. They share a big old fat border. Turkey had lost territory there in that border area. Lost territory to the Russians. When they lost that territory, that's where many of the Turkish Armenians were. Armenians are not Muslims. Armenians are Christians. And there is a ton of history in Turkey of there being huge tension between the Armenian Christians and the Turks. And then that situation got extra complicated. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Goldalliance.com. You have got to start making plans for your future. And I know what you're saying, Jesse, I'm already making pl- plans. I'm, I'm investing. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not here to lecture you on responsibility. I'm here to tell you the financial future is... I don't want to put dark. I don't want to say dark. That's not what I mean. But what am I supposed to say? How do you want me to put this? We are spending trillions more than we make. We are printing money unbacked. And we know how that story ends. Get a gold IRA to make sure that you have a higher floor than you currently do if the worst happens. A higher floor. That's a great way to put that. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. This is a brief side side note to our Gallipoli story, but when the Russians took that little part of Turkey where the Armenians are, many of the Armenians there viewed the Russians as liberators. Remember, the Armenians were part of Turkey, but not really a willing part of Turkey And that's going to matter. Back to our story, though. Turkey's now decided they're going to get a little more aggressive into the war. Germany wants them to get more aggressive in the war because Germany 
is now fighting a two-front two front war. Remember, the Schlieffen plan didn't work. They weren't able to knock France out. They're stuck. They got Russia on one side, France on the other side. They really need somebody to make life miserable for these Russians. They want to be able to focus on France and Britain. They really don't want to have to commit a lot of resources to the stinking Russians. Want Turkey to help out a little. Well, Turkey doesn't necessarily have the capability of invading Russia, nor does anybody, as we've learned throughout history. But Turkey can do certain things to make Russia poorer, more stressed out. Depends on how you want to put that now. There's this area called the Dardanelles. The Dardanelles Strait is probably how you'd want to look it up today. Let us look it up together so we're looking at this together. The Dardanelles Strait. You remember where I've told you Istanbul is? You can look at Istanbul if, you, if, if that will help. Go to, you know what? That's probably the easiest way. Istanbul, Turkey. Look at Istanbul, Turkey. You got it? You looking at it? And you see right below it in the south, the Sea of Marmara. All right. Now let's go west, young man, and you'll see this little stretch of water leading out to the Aegean Sea. Do you you see that on your map? Almost looks like a river. That area is called the Dardanelles, the Dardanelles Strait. Now, not to make this too nerd out confusing, But zoom out. Look at the Black Sea. Look at the Mediterranean Sea. How many sea routes do you see? Well, that's a lot of seas. How many sea routes do you see from the entire southern portion of Russia out to the Mediterranean? Allow me to spoil it for you. There's one. Exactly one. And it leads through the Dardanelles. This is an area of critical importance for the Russians. Russia, as vast as it is, it's kind of funny to think about, as vast as Russia is, does not have a lot of shipping lanes into it. It's one of the really funny, uh, just historical oddities Because you look at it, I mean, even if you zoom out and look at Russia, and I like doing this, it does help with stories when you look at maps. Maps maps will always help with your stories. You look and you see, well, I mean, there's all, well, how can they have a hard time shipping things in? Look at all that blue up north. Do you know what that's like up there? That is a frozen, icy hellscape. You are not going to ever get major commercial shipping in the north, it's simply too risky. It's not physically possible. Okay, so if you can't have major shipping from the north, okay, well, what about what about what about the east? Look at everything in the east. Yeah, look at everything in the east. Who's shipping to Russia from where? Let's say let's say there's a massive influx from America. Let's just let's say there is. Okay, so now you have to ship it all into Russia and then train it 90,000 miles. That's an exaggeration to the areas where Russia actually needs it. Remember, Russia's fighting in the West, not in the East. It's, it's, it's a major problem. And their population hubs are in the East. Russia needs this area open badly. 
Well, Turkey, they don't really have much of a navy. We'll get to that in a second. But they do have other things, and Germany's providing things too, things like mines. Mines are something naval vessels, people in the navy, are scared to death of. Here's what a mine is. Obviously, you know what a landmine is. That's not exactly news. But a mine is a gigantically powerful bomb that will go off if something hits it in the water. You tether these things to the sea floor with a chain generally. And it will float. So it's trying to get to the surface. However, that's how you set the depth of the mine. And I know what you're thinking. Well, won't they blow up their own ships? No. You set them at a depth that only a gigantic naval vessel will run into. You can run your ships over the mines all day long because they don't reach down to the mine to hit it. So you can set up an area where none of their gigantic cargo ships or naval ships can get through, but your smaller ships can cruise through all day long. They start mining the Dardanelles, hammering the Russians. The Russians are now in trouble. And the Russians start looking to Britain and France. And remember, Russia was always, this is pre-Russian revolution. So we right now have a Russia that is on shaky ground, to put it mildly. Their leadership was, I mean, this is a country teetering on the brink. And we obviously know they fall off the brink here in a couple years. Russia looks to France and Britain and says, you need to help now. We are starving to death. We can't take care of this ourselves. Help. Get down here and help. And you may think to yourself, Britain and France had to be mad about that. Well, take care of it yourself. No, no. It was actually quite the opposite. There was a way of thinking, especially amongst Winston Churchill. That name sound familiar? No, he wasn't the prime minister yet. He was, however, the head of the British Navy at this point in time. And there was a way of thinking. He was one of the main ones who pushed this way that, look, if we're bogged down in the Western Front, which they were, The trenches were already dug in. Everybody was dug in. If we're bogged down up here, why don't we go for a soft underbelly? Why don't we roll down to Turkey, take out Turkey, get Turkey to capitulate, and then what's to to stop us from coming up to Austria-Hungary and Germany from underneath? Considered it a soft underbelly, and Churchill... One of his major mistakes, major failures, if you will, although he'll defend himself about it to his dying day, Churchill thought Turkey was weaker than it was. Now, as we've discussed, Turkey was very weak, but Turkey was also a couple other things. One, propped up by Germany, as we talked about, and two, very proud. When you get these late-stage empires... They tend to, and this is all of them seem to do this, they tend to limp on longer than they really should and die harder than they really should on paper because there's a sense of pride there. Remember, they're not even Turkey yet. They are the Ottoman Empire still. 
In their minds, they are the great, powerful Ottoman Empire. So, if Britain wants some, Britain can come get some. Hang on. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It's an idea. Why don't we send a fleet down there, bomb Constantinople, Istanbul, any one of the other thousand names it has, bomb it off the map, essentially bomb Turkey off the map with our naval vessels, and just knock them out. We'll save the Russians. We'll expose the underbelly of Germany and Austria-Hungary, it'll all work out fine. And it should be noted, Turkey and Britain weren't really getting along in the all-time bitter dispute moves. Get this. I've always thought this was hilarious. I mean, understandable on all sides, but hilarious. Turkey didn't have much of a navy, wanted to upgrade their Navy. And this is the period of time in history where battleships were everything. You wanted, obviously, cruisers and destroyers and things, but there weren't aircraft carriers yet because there weren't really aircraft yet. A battleship, though, it was a floating artillery barrage with huge guns that fired forever, your battleship was your Navy. They are the coolest things in the world. Battleships are just awesome. You wanted them. Big, heavy armored, heavy guns. Come get some. Britain is at virtually the height of its power at this point. They're the economic center of the world. They have all these colonies, and... We're really at that British Navy slapping everyone around point. So if you're Turkey and you're trying to upgrade your situation, 
Who are you going to go to if you want to purchase a couple modern battleships? You're going to go to Great Britain. And they do. Pre-World War I, they go to Great Britain, and they not only order two gigantic, awesome battleships, they pay for them in full. Do you have any idea how much these things cost? Uh, setting aside the number, do you have any idea how much of Turkey's budget had to get set aside to plunk down all the cash for two battleships? Let me just tell you, it was a ton of money. Then the war breaks out, and Britain says, oh, you know, by the way, mm, you picked the wrong side in the war. Those battleships you ordered, we're not sending them. In fact, we're going to keep them ourselves. Thanks for the paid-for battleships, Turkey. So Turkey is all kinds of salty about this. And I mean, we're talking sodium overdose levels of salty as you would. But it's understandable on Britain's part. I don't care if you ordered and paid for it. We're at war now. Screw you. I'm not sending you weapons to crush me with. It's actually funny. Germany turns around because, they again, they need Turkey to be decent. And they send Turkey a couple battle cruisers. It's essentially a battleship with lighter armor than an actual battleship. They call it a battle cruiser. So they're supposed to be real fast and the speed will make up for the lack of armor. That did not turn out to be the case. Virtually every time the battle cruisers got in a big fight, they just got blown right out of the water. It just was, did not work out. That's a, that's a story for another day. Germany sends them a couple battle cruisers. And they dress up the German crew in like the turkey fez hats. You can see pictures of it to this day. They didn't They didn't have a Turkish crew, didn't want one. They're like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll use our crew too. Yeah, you can throw some hats on them. That's fine. What are, what are those weird hats you use? Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Anyway, Britain gets this idea. Let's send down our older ships. Let's send down our older ships in the Navy. We don't, we don't have to send our best and brightest. We'll send our older ones. It's still better than anything the Turks have. And we'll go down and blow out the Turkish forts in Constantinople. France is not... France is still France. And I don't want to dump on the French here because, as you know, I actually greatly admire French's, France's military history. And how they acquitted themselves in this war is nothing short of amazing. They were spectacular. They're the reason World War I was won. They took the vast bulk of the, of the casualties. It was fought in France, not in Germany, not in Britain. It was in France. It was, they did very well. But France is still France. And Britain send, decides they're sending a fleet down, and France says, well, we're going too. So France decides they're going too. And Britain, as colonial powers do, Britain gets on the phone and starts calling in those favors that are very much owed by other countries underneath them, countries like New Zealand and Australia. And they tell New Zealand and Australia, we need troops, lots of them, send them up here. And I don't want to act like Australia and New Zealand reluctantly did it. 
they were very much loyal to Britain and by all accounts were more than happy to come. Oh, yeah, the crown needs us. Let's go. So I don't want to act like they did this at gunpoint. But they went up. Those New Zealand, Australian forces, this doesn't matter for today, but just know that they were called Anzac forces. So if you ever hear the the Anzacs, that's what we're talking about. The plan goes from just being a plan of ships to being a, a plan of ships and then a landing force. Should be fine, right? So this huge caravan of ships starts motoring on down towards the Dardanelles, Let's teach these weakling Turks who are crumbling a lesson or two about warfare. And they cruise on down and they head into the strait the first day and the freaking weather blows them out. Remember, we talked about this with Constantinople, although that's a different strait. These narrow straits in the ocean can get real hairy. Armies in the history of mankind, a lot, a lot of them have been lost in these waters. Kind of cool and creepy to think about. You go to any one of those straits, there are bones at the bottom of that ocean floor. Lots of them from ancient times. Ships have to turn around, back off. The ships turn back around and head into the strait the second day. And they start bombing the forts, start shelling from the water, the forts that are right along the water. And are doing so very successfully, I should mention. But they run into a couple humongous problems. One, remember those mines? They start running into those mines. And these ships start going down. Two, these Ottomans are proud people. And these Ottomans were ready for this. They have interior forts that the uh, naval force wasn't hitting. And they are not only ready... Remember, when you're a fort, when you're on land, this is important. You are not moving up and down with the waves. You're not subject to the wind, to the currents, to anything else. And you're there all the time, meaning you have time to sight in all of your guns. You know how to hit any part of that straight you want. You're in a naval vessel. You are bobbing up and down, swaying back and forth, trying to hold things steady, but not too steady. Because if you just sit there, you get smoked out of the water. Basically, it's a whole lot easier to hit what you're aiming at from a land fort than it is from a naval vessel, even an advanced modern naval vessel. These interior Turkish forts start smoking these French and British ships, and it's a problem. I just stuttered there, Chris. What if I got a stutter? I'd still do radio. It'd be sweet. We'd get around it. Hang on. Jesse Kelly show home title theft is devastating people right now. And part of the reason it's so devastating. I mean, honestly, the main reason it's so devastating is because you don't know until it's way, way, way too late. 
these cyber thieves, they go track, they hack into the cloud, they track down your home title. That part is actually easy for them, believe it or not. They get it, forge your signature on it, and then when they're done with all that, they take a loan out against it and take off. Okay, well, they're richer. You are sitting there with a home loan. The problem is you don't know it. It's not as if somebody calls you just to, just a heads up you have a home loan because they think you already know. You start getting late notices and late notices, and soon you've got a major problem on your hands. The only way to stop it is HomeTitleLock.com. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, sign up, use the code RADIO, get 30 days for free. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Shouldn't be a problem, right? Cruising on down to Turkey. Oh, and I do need to mention. Remember the Muslim thing? The plans Germany had? Germany had another part of this, too. You see, Britain presided over much of the Muslim world. Well, Germany wanted this to happen. In fact, we'll do a separate show on it another time. They sent a spy mission over to Afghanistan trying to push them into attacking India, which was a major, major, major part of British power. You see this allies, they stack onto allies, they stack onto allies, enemies stack onto enemies, stack onto enemies. They want this to happen bad. Germany actually gets... Uh, Turkey to essentially declare a jihad, a global jihad against Britain. It's not what you're thinking. It's not like this modern dirtball Islamic terrorist jihad. They wanted it to be. They wanted it to be this. What Germany's goal was every Muslim will rise up and fight against the British Empire. It didn't turn out to be that at all. But that's what they wanted. That was the goal. Very smart goal. Let's get all these people on our side fighting against Britain. Back to the ships. The ships start to go down. The naval part of this thing is a complete and utter disaster. They pull back, and this was the moment when the Allies should have pulled out. Okay, you tried. You failed. No major loss yet. You want this this area, but you don't have to have it. It's one of those, it would be nice things if it doesn't happen, fine. But here's the problem with mankind, especially with accomplished, powerful people. We all struggle with this on some level. Admitting when you were wrong. It sounds it sounds almost childlike to talk about, doesn't it? Just admit you were wrong. Sounds like you're in a in a high school boyfriend girlfriend situation. 
But it is important. Pride goeth before the fall, as the good book says. It's tough to get men like Winston Churchill, the leaders of France, to step up in front of others and say, Ooh, look, I blew that. My bad. That's on me. Let's let's back off and regroup. They just don't do it. And in this case, they didn't do it either. I need to remind you all, by the way, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. You're already sending in your questions. I have them stacked up and ready. Send your questions in. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Again, they do not have to be political at all. We screw off. We have fun on Fridays. They can be political. That's fine. No big deal. I will get to them, though. I'll get to them in the order they come in. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Send them in. So they decide to land troops the next day. And you can actually go look at this. There was, shoot, where did I see this? You can actually see video of it or at least a picture of it. I think there's a Gallipoli documentary on Amazon Prime. It's been a while since I watched this one where you can see where the Australian troops are landed. And they're just, they're so disorganized. Amphibious landings are not, I don't want to act like they're new But major amphibious landings are not really something countries have perfected yet. They land these poor freaking Australians in the worst place you can possibly imagine. There is, I believe, the great Dan Carlin. He he put up the great World War, the greatest World War One history podcast you will ever hear in your life. Highly recommend it. I think he described it as a reverse amphitheater, if I remember right. And it is the best way to describe it. Picture like a big half moon. That's the water. You land on the beach. And then ahead of you, there's nothing but a ridge sloping down to you. Yeah, Australians, Chris. The Brits. The Brit. We're talking about the Anzac forces, you idiot. The, the Austria. Chris asked if it was the Austrians. Buddy, the Austrians didn't do anything. And I, I mean, honestly, the Germans described the Austrians as being shackled to a corpse. The Austrians couldn't even defeat the Serbs. Remember, this whole thing started because the Serbs thought they were going to be overrun by the Austrians. And the Austrians kept trying and the Serbs just kept kicking the crap out of them. And they turned around and ran back. The Austrians were useless. Hang on. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. The Australians land on this. If you could design the worst place to land in the world, you'd, you'd design this. And these Turks start pummeling it. And there are other British forces landing other places. And they are in all-out brawls. They're doing well in some places. In other places, they're not. But these Turks are not exactly laying down. They're not, they're not turning and running. In fact, the Turks who do turn and run only turn and run when they run out of ammunition. And in one of the cool stories of all time, they run into one of their colonels. His name was Mustafa Kemal. He's a legend in Turkey to this day. And these Turkish troops run out of ammo. They turn around and they're taking off. They're out of ammunition. What are they supposed to do? And they run into Mustafa Kemal. And he runs into him and he says, where are you going? And they said, well, we're, we're taking off. We ran out of ammo. And he responds with one of the great lines of all time. Hang on, I'll tell you. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Mustafa Kemal sees his men retreating, asks them where they're going. They say they're out of ammunition. Mustafa Kemal looks at his men and says, you have your bayonets. The dude is a legend for a reason. There are statues and paintings of this man all over Turkey. He ends up leading the nation after this whole thing, and he has another Great line. He's famous for this. When he's telling his men, hang on. Relief forces are coming. Hang on. We have to hold them here or the entire, I mean, he knew at least the entire empire, the Ottoman Empire, Turkey, they were going down if they lost this battle. He tells his men this famous. He says, I am not ordering you to fight. I'm ordering you to die. 
And then the time, I'm paraphrasing this part of it, he essentially tells them in the time it takes all of us to die, it'll give the relief forces enough time to get up here and take over and save the nation. Dude is a legend. Legend. But they do die. Lots of them. And it goes from being what was supposed to be a short little naval expedition to being a months and months and months long entrenched battle. Turns out it's just like every other part of the world. Turns out that's just what warfare had become in this day and age. The Ottomans digging trenches, the Australians and Brits digging trenches, and they just spent all their time killing each other. It ended up being just awful. Only it's a part of the world where it's hard to get supplies. And it's not a prioritized part of the world for Britain. People starved to death. People froze to death. People died of heat. People died of disease. They famously complained about the flies. It's a, this is a very, very harsh environment they're in. And in the end, the Brits sailed home. Losers. It should be noted as we wrap up our little tale here today. Just one thing. I always I always thought this part of the sto- story was really cool. Not a part that's told often. Maybe you won't dig it as much as I do, but I do dig it. Mustafa Kemal, like I said, he ended up leading the nation. And look, in their minds, and look, it's hard to say it any other way. They were invaded by Britain. They not only buried all the Brits they could find down in Turkey, to this day, the Turkish government maintains those grave sites well. And Mustafa Kemal wrote, uh, I believe it was an open letter to all the mothers of Britain, essentially saying, we care for your sons. They're also our sons now. They They are sleeping peacefully here, and we will always watch over them. Kind of cool, right? Kind of cool. They honor even the Brits, not only their own guys who died here, and they do. They revere their own guys who died there. They honor the Brits and everything else. And that is the Battle of Gallipoli. And Turkey, to its credit, though it's not exactly my favorite nation today, kind of led by a scumbag, kind of a cool thing, isn't it? Kind of cool to think that the Ottoman Empire, and it's obviously no empire anymore. They're a third-rate power as at best now. But because of the Battle of Gallipoli, they're still around, aren't they? They're still out there making headlines. Now, we should mention, because I brought it up earlier, the Armenians... Remember the Armenian genocide you hear things about to this day? Remember that Russian invasion? Turkey thought some of the Armenians were working with the Russians, which some of them were working with the Russians. But the Turks decided they had to deport the Armenians forcefully from their homes. And I don't mean throw them all on an air-conditioned city bus with food and water and drive them to a different place at gunpoint. They marched these people out of their homeland. Murder. 
horrible assaults on the women, children. In the end, roughly, they guess, all they can do is guess, they guess 800,000 Armenians died in what is known as a genocide, and rightfully so. And I will tell you, I know many of you listen with your kids. Got another email from somebody about this lady listens with her children. They homeschool. I can't tell you how much I love those emails. Watch out. Google image searching the Armenian genocide. It is. It looks. It looks. Honestly, it looks like the Holocaust pictures you've seen from the Jews. That's what these people look like. Starved to death. Frozen to. It is very. It's hard. It's hard to look at. I have a hard stomach and I was thinking, oh, man, that's that's tough. That's very, very tough. It was a rough moment and a bitter, bitter, bitter thing to this day. Armenians are bitter that Turkey won't acknowledge what they did. To this day, Turkey says we just need to move on. It wasn't that bad. Although even at the time, Turkey kind of acknowledged what happened. But of course, as always happened, they blamed it on, quote, bad officials. Well, yeah, we wanted them moved. We didn't say, you know, murder and rape everybody. Eh, that that never holds water. If you're doing terrible things to people at gunpoint as you run them out of town, you're doing those things knowing the people above you, if they didn't outright order it, are totally okay with it. That goes right along the lines of the, the SS guards doing terrible things to the Jews and the German leaders who a bunch of them tried this after. I had no idea. Dude, you're Germany. Everybody's disciplined. Everybody knows what's going on. You dang well knew what was happening out there every time. Every time. Alliances are funny things. Enemies are funny things. And strange bedfellows happen in wartime and in peacetime. I don't think, well, I should say I know, you really shouldn't dismiss all this Biden stuff for any reason whatsoever. And here's why. At some point in the future, and I hope this day does not come in your lifetime or the lifetime of their children or the lifetime of their children. I hope it never comes. But at some point, there's going to be another gigantic global war. I know this for a fact because history tells me so. In fact, if you look at, if you look at timelines and how things work, you could say we're overdue. We could see it in our lifetime. I certainly hope we don't. There's that great Einstein line, which I'm just doing on the fly here, so I'm going to screw it up. He says, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the Third World War, but I know this. In the Fourth World War, they'll be fighting with rocks. He's essentially saying the Third World War, because of nuclear weapons, is going to wipe out mankind, and we'll basically be living by, like cavemen. I don't know if I'm going to say all that. Let's just say you don't want another world war. I hope you never see it. Hope I never see it. Hope your kids never do. But when that war comes, there are things that are going to matter a lot. Hang on. 
Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in Amazing. some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children, builds specifically adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. 
Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. 